Hey guys, quick announcement. So I'm hoping you'll be very excited about this. The Suzanne Venker show is now going to drop three episodes per week. In addition to the main one that gets dropped on Sundays, for those of you who are regular followers, you probably know that there's going to be two additional ones on Tuesdays and Thursdays, shorter versions, real quick ones. But, um, there's just too much that I want to cover that I can't cover once a week. And I also want to do, um, have a few, have fewer guests on as well. I'm still going to have guests on periodically, but you'll be hearing mostly from me going forward. So, um, I recommend subscribing to the show. So you get notifications with the topic of the day, each time a new episode has dropped. And also please consider becoming a Patreon supporter. So you get free books and an early release of each episode episode. Plus those who sign up at the $10 level get a 100% free digital copy of my brand new book, How to Get Hitched and Stay Hitched. You can do all of this at suzannebanker.com forward slash podcast. And now on with the show. From the magnificent Midwest, it's the Suzanne Venker Show, where men and women are equal in value but wildly different by nature. Join us here every week when we challenge the culture's hugely flawed narratives about men, women, sex, and love. From coast to coast and from around the world, thank you for joining us. So today is Q&A hour. I'm going to get through as many of these as I can today. You ready? Let's go. This one is from Grace. Hi, Suzanne. I've been dating my boyfriend for a year now, and we haven't said I love you. He has made it clear that he wants to say it first and control that due to issues in the past, but I thought he'd have said it by now. I don't really know what to do. If I bring up marriage or future stuff, he kind of shuts down or changes the subject. I love him, and I feel like he loves me, but because he's extremely kind and generous, just not expressive unless he's been drinking. I want to have a more serious conversation about next steps in our relationship, but not sure how to bring it up. Do you have any advice or is this me overthinking things? Okay. Short answer. No, definitely not overthinking things. What you're describing here, Grace is an indication that this gentleman who you love, and I get that, is not ready, is not ready for commitment. And the reason why I say that is because if you're dealing with, first of all, you mentioned drinking in there. So that's kind of a tip off, but also the fact that he has admitted that he has these issues from the past and he wants to control how things are said in the relationship and, and, you know, all of that is a signal that he is not in a mental space that is ready for what it sounds like you are likely ready for. And this is super, super common because of course, everybody comes with baggage. And so people tend to not see the weight of that baggage when they're dating. But the reality is in the ideal world, everybody before they hitch their train to someone else's is mentally ready for that step. I mean, honestly, you really shouldn't even be dating if you're not. Because invariably, this is the this is what you get yourself into is these these predicaments. I mean, both women and men. This is not a sex specific thing. Should 
not bring someone else into their life until they're ready to consider, consider it in a serious way. You know, this whole dating just to date thing is for the birds, especially when you're older. I mean, when you're a teenager, that's one thing, but there's no point in dating. If you're not looking toward the future, you're just wasting time. So you, you want to bring your best self to the table and be open to that, to, to an ending well and, and being a match. And in order to do that, you need to be ready emotionally for that. You know, is everybody, is that realistic that everybody's going to be, you know, not get involved with anybody until they're totally ready emotionally? No, but you should definitely pay attention if somebody appears that they are not, because that is not going to end well to force that situation along. So I'm sorry. I know that's probably not what you wanted to hear. And it's really, really super hard when you're in love, but you're, it's pain now or pain later, right? It's it's not, it's not, there's no clear cut um, way to avoid pain or heartbreak when you're dealing with love. Okay. This one uh, has no name attached to it for some reason. I don't know if that's them or me who didn't write it down, but anyway, uh, it's titled modern dating sucks, which I totally concur. This is actually a parent who is writing about his son. My son is come. Well, I don't know if it's a dad or a mom, but anyway, my son is coming around tomorrow. He, uh, he asked me to open a bank account in my name so that he can save money in it. Why? His long-term girlfriend, 24 years old, has a good job. She lives with her parents and inherited $60,000 and has saved an extra 30. And her only bill is her mobile phone. She just bought herself a three-bedroom house and they are going to move into it. He's going to pay half of the bills. The house is only in her name. He earns slightly more than she does and works for a pharmaceutical company. She wants to get married and have children but does not want to take his name. The girl is a modern version of a conservative woman, believe it or not. She even refers to her peers as entitled. My son wants to save money so that when she kicks him out, he can afford to set himself up in the in a place immediately and also have the money to sue her for his half of the price increase in the value of the house. What the hell is going on? Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, there is so much to unpack in here. I don't even honestly know where to begin. Um, First of all, that last phrase, what the hell is going on? I'm feeling that from parents, anybody over, say, 40, 45, definitely over 50, that's my end, um, is, is just speechless with how young people are maneuvering when it comes to dating and or marriage. Look, the very first tip off here is she's bought herself a house. They're dating. There's no, nothing here that suggests that they're engaged. So the decision has not been made as to whether or not they're, they're going to spend the rest of their lives together. So they are literally just boyfriend and girlfriend. So number one, you shouldn't be living with somebody with whom you are not engaged or married. That's just a bad, bad, bad move. Number two, it's going to be her home and you're moving into it and you're going to become a boarder as a man. That's the reality of it. I don't care if she has a quote unquote conservative values. Those aren't, you know, the word conservative is, I almost don't even like to use it anymore. Conservative, conservative or liberal, to be honest with you, because I don't think those words mean anything anymore. I honestly don't. We're so far gone (laughs) 
um, as far as having, you know, uh, gone, moved so far to the left that to even use the word conservative could mean any number of things. So I don't use those terms. The, the, what you want to be looking at is not how she labels herself, but what her worldview and her actions are, he or she. Um, for example, she may refer to her peers as entitled, but the fact that she wants to get married and have kids but not take his name suggests a completely different political bent. You need to pay attention to that. If a woman doesn't want to take your name, by and large, she's a feminist or a feminist thinker. And she's her, that means her approach to marriage is going to be different from yours, assuming you're not aligned with that. And I'm assuming this, the sun is not. Um, the fact that you have to already be thinking about saving money so that when she kicks him, you out, you can afford something so you can sue her. I mean, this should be like a flashing signal to this young man. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I mean, everything about this is wrong. Everything. And so if you're the parent who wrote in and you're listening to this now, you need to tell your son this. He may not listen, but you're, you're going to kick yourself if you don't at least tell him what you're seeing. It is your, I believe that it is a parent's responsibility to pass on what they see when they, when they see it. Um, and whether or not the grown child wants to you know, listen is up to them. But to me, there are so many parents. I mean, I think it's an epidemic of just being hands off. Well, that's their life. I, I can't get involved. What the hell? What the hell? You, of course, who, who would, who, 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 who can get involved if not you? <laughs> it's not about telling them what to do, what they can or can do. Obviously they're grown, but you are responsible for, for letting them see things that they can't see for themselves. So uh, good luck with that. I, I don't know what else to say. Okay. This one is from Katie. This is a long email, so I don't want to read the whole thing, but suffice it to say, hi, Suzanne. I'm a big fan. Faith and family are really important to me. She grew up in a stable, healthy home. She always wanted this for herself. She moved around a bit. She is now 25 and she's newly married uh, to a great guy. And within a month of my moving, oh, she moved to this other state. I now met my husband. He's everything I prayed for and more. And then she describes everything about him. And okay, so that's all good. So she writes, now that you have an idea of my background, here's the situation I'm in. I am so grateful that I married at 27. Grateful I found a wonderful man and a man who provides. But I am struggling with where we live. So they're actually on, of all places, Martha's Vineyard, which if any of you haven't been there is a beautiful Island. Um, and it, but it has, as she writes here, no commercial. So everything is more costly groceries, house, houses, gas, etc. It costs $80 just to get off the Island. It's a beautiful place, but it's also quote unquote liberal. The church community is lacking. Not too many young people. If there are young families, they have liberal beliefs. You get the picture. We've been here for a year. I miss my parents, the sunshine, the like-mindedness, community in our church. This is her, where she was living and where her parents are. We want to start having children, but I'm nervous that I would be isolated. I all, I'm already pretty depressed with no community. I do try and volunteer at my church. I work part-time. I'm trying to put myself out there. And um, she acknowledges that because of what he does, which is seasonal and 
is a really great job. It's, it's a really good place for him work-wise, but also the place where they want to go could also be good. So she just wants to find something in that other area for the future. Uh, I want to be supportive and positive, but I'm struggling and how, unsure how to approach this moving forward. Am I in the wrong? Help. So this was a little personal for me because basically what she's dealing with here is when it comes to her relationship or her marriage is geography. So all the other pieces are in place from what she's described with the exception of geography. If that is the case for anybody, that is solvable. That is absolutely solvable as long as somebody obviously is willing to be open to moving. I mean, that's kind of an obvious answer. Um, Given that you're newly married and you don't have children yet and his job is going really well and he wants to sort of milk that, I would give that a few years with the plan, the definite plan then of moving to this other place where he will also, you said, be able to get work, but allows you to have this whole other life that you don't have currently because I promise you, and please have him listen to this answer, he will be grateful that he did that. Fast forward five years, 10 years, 15 years, You've got to think out about where you want to be. And if you're planning on being home with those kids, you're going to want your family around. That's the bottom line. When you're at home, you need family, you need community, you need to be happy where you are. That's a very specific lifestyle. Um, And if you were talking about going to a place where there's literally nowhere for him to work, that would be a problem, clearly. But that's not what you described here. So a compromise would be staying put, let him sort of milk that and do what he needs to do but definitely plan on moving. Um, I, I feel really, really strongly about this. It was personal for me in my first marriage, which a lot of you might know did not end well. That was in my early twenties or mid twenties rather. And, um, married four years, no kids, but geography was a massive problem. He was a New Yorker. I was a Midwesterner. At the end of the day, we both ended up in our respective hometowns, home areas, I should say. Um, and it just, you know, people don't want to talk about how significant these things are once children come along because men and women are just living these parallel lives where they're both going to school, pursuing their careers, and it's all money, 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 career, career, career. And they move wherever the wind takes them for that money and that career. Well, the problem is you're not thinking 10 years out or even five years out. What is the long range plan? If you are having a family, you are going to need help. You are going to want to be around family. This is particularly true if your wife is planning on staying home for X amount of years. And so that's one of the reasons why things didn't work out for me. Um, it was a big fight. His uh, heels were dug into New York, New York City, and he wasn't leaving. And I mean, okay, so the rest is history. But that doesn't have to be your story because what you described, Katie, is that there's work for him in both places and that he's amenable to going and a nice compromise would be to just stay put since you don't have kids yet. And then with the plan on moving toward your family when you're ready to, um, to start a family. So I hope that helps. Um, this one is from a Jean Marie. Hi, Suzanne. Thank you so much for your wonderful books and great show. 
Would you consider talking about guilt in one of your episodes? I feel a tremendous amount of guilt for wanting to step out of the workforce to raise children, as if I was leaving the entire financial burden on my husband. The message I get from people around me, including other women who already have children, is that being a stay-at-home mom is is self-indulgent and financially irresponsible, like I'm unwilling to pull my weight. I've heard this so much from other millennial moms. I would love to hear your take on this. (laughs) My take on this. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be really kind here. What I want to say about millennial moms who would say that to you. Um, they've been sold a script. They have drunk the Kool-Aid millennial women as a rule. Clearly this is not all millennial women, but as a trend, we're talking trends here, go, there is a completely screwed up view among this generation of what's involved in raising babies and children to become healthy, productive adults. Because it's such a money-focused group, and keep in mind, it's not really them. It's It's the parents and the culture, it's the previous generation that sold this idea of money, 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 being the number one focus in life and, and career. And so that shift in priorities has caused them to create lives that are just myopic about money and economics so that they've had no tutelage on what's involved in raising children and the, and what that work entails, uh, how satisfying it is, how, utterly significant it is, what it brings to the culture in terms of social capital, family, like the the cohesiveness of that, like because they can't put their fingers on it because it doesn't, because you don't get paid for it. There's just no understanding. And then that's where that judgment comes in about um, the idea of you're doing it being um, not pulling your weight Oh my God, the utter cluelessness. It's maddening. It's just maddening. Pulling your weight. If pulling your weight is only thought of in terms of finances, sure. If understanding marriage and raising a family as being a team effort where somebody needs to bring home money, yes, and somebody needs to actually do that work of raising the babies, and you understand that that's a team effort for one goal and you respect and value the the side of the equation that doesn't bring home a paycheck, then you would not think this way. And it would have been prior to millennials. Nobody thought this way. It just wasn't said. This is all very, very new. So that goes back to, you know, why I do what I do in terms of teaching that in order to be successful in life, you've got to be countercultural. And it's really, really super hard because you feel alone. Like you're the only person who's like, who's normal, who thinks about everything 360 or who um, values relationships and family and children. Let's just talk about the needs of children there. And all these people around you aren't getting it. And And you're like, wait, is there something wrong with me? And the answer is no, there isn't anything wrong with you. You're normal. That is good. They're crazy. They're nuts. They just have been so brainwashed. 
and they are learning the hard way, but you, and they will learn the hard way eventually, but you don't have to. So you have to have the courage of your convictions and the ability to stand on your own and say, no, I'm not going there. I'm not falling down that rabbit hole and I'm not going to be brainwashed because this is wrong. So, yeah. Um, yeah. This next one's from Sarah. Uh, she wanted to, she, the subject line says what it means to be sexy in the modern era. Yeah, this is, <laughs> um, she, she basically, she said, I want, she's saying, I wanted to get your take on the recent changes to the Victoria's secret brand and their products and what that means for how women are viewed by pop culture. This feels like a big step in the direction of shunning feminine women. So I don't know if you guys know that Victoria's secret has, um, shifted its, uh, previous, I don't know what you call this. This isn't really my area. Uh, I don't know how I have the terminology for it, but uh, marketing approach, I guess, um, of, of showing beautiful, beautiful feminine, um, women who are of normal weight. I, I don't think they ever went into the territory of being like overly skinny, but again, I could be clueless on that front, but anyway, they wanted to be, of course, in the attempt of being inclusive and changing that whole, um, approach. They are now advertising overweight women. And, you know, I talk with a friend of mine about this regularly. I mean, I, it's, I have to say, I see these images and at first it was like this move from, you know, the perfect body to showing regular women's bodies, which I'm all for. I think that's great. Um, people who are of normal weight or maybe technically have a little, little bit of weight on them, but are still absolutely beautiful. I'm all for not showing perfection. Believe me. But it's not just that. They went to this other place where they're showing obese women. And first of all, it's not attractive. It just isn't. I'm sorry, number one. And number two, it's not something to show as healthy because it's not healthy. And I think that's the trend that this gal is talking about. Yeah, it is a move away from femininity and trying to connect thinness with being feminine and beautiful. And like I said... I'm all for not showing perfection, but there's a big medium between big middle ground they could have done and just um, rested there rather than going to this other place where they're showing obesity as healthy and normal and good and attractive. It is none of those things. Okay. This next one um, is from a gentleman he's asked to remain anonymous. He writes, hi, Suzanne, how do I navigate going into a marriage minded relationship when the woman will be making more money than me in marriage? I am pursuing a career as a craftsman and an artist. I love my work and I want to do it till the day I die. I know the statistics wouldn't be in our favor. With more women going to college than men, this problem is on the rise. I know other men would love the help too. If you could keep me anonymous, that would be great. Okay. Um, so absolutely, anybody who listens to the Suzanne Venker show knows that this is a massive problem that is not going to get better. It's going to get worse. We just had yet another finding just a couple of weeks ago, another new one showing an even greater gap. I mean, it's just going to keep going with um, women in college versus men. Um, although this isn't just about college degree per se, although that's certainly part of it. It's really more the issue of women making more. Um, and 
look, I'm, I, I don't pull any punches about this. This is dangerous territory. It just is. And I can't, I can't help but say that because I, I work with these couples. I see it every single week in my coaching practice. So I would be lying if I just pretended this wasn't the problem. It is a problem. My suggestion for men like this is to steer clear of women. And I don't have enough details here, honestly. So definitely the variables matter. But in general, depending on the career path, if hers is going way up and yours is going to stay at a certain level and you want, and it brings you tremendous happiness. Um, let me back up and say, I, I truly believe that what's most important going forward with this new phenomenon isn't how much money a man makes per se, but whether or not he has passion and purpose. So if you were to ask the average woman, no matter what kind of money she makes, would you rather be married to a man who um, didn't have a lot of ambition or passion and made you know $40,000 a year and you made one hundred and fifty dollars as some big wig? Would you be good with that? And if they were honest, they would say no. But if you asked the same woman, um, so you're going to, the other choice is this man who's going to make, you know, maybe not 40, but I don't know, a decent salary and it's not ever going to match yours, but he has total passion and ambition for it. And he works really hard every day at it and loves it and is happy and it's steady and it's all good. I think she would say, oh yeah, bring it on. So at the end of the day, it isn't so much the discrepancy, although it is, but it's more if you are as driven as she is for whatever it is that that is you're doing. And I, I truly believe this after, you know, I've thought about this for a long time and I've been dealing with this for a long time. And for one thing, this, this gentleman is right. It's not going away. So we need an answer. And to me, that's that was that has been my conclusion for the whole thing is at the end of the day, it's not how much money you make, but whether or not you have something that makes you productive, gives you purpose, that you're passionate about, that you're ambitious about, and you're all in and you're happy. And when you have something like that, you really, as long as the woman, if you're married to her who makes more, let's say, is on the same page about how to handle the finances and you're working as a team and you have a budget and like everybody's on the same page, that's the ideal scenario for this new phenomenon to have the mixture of, yeah, there's a discrepancy, but everybody's happy in their respective careers and you're both on the same page and working together. That's when I believe it can work. What I see too much of is the woman who loves what she's doing and the man who's floundering, which is a whole different mess of a situation and, or maybe the man's not floundering but she's doing so well and she's not handling the money. They're not hand, They're not on the same team. It's a his and hers scenario. They, they do not have budgets. They do not have meetings. They do not, they're not on the same, they're basically roommates. And then she feels more and more powerful and he's miserable and it just goes south from there. So that's what I see more of. I would like to see the former be in place as we go forward with this phenomenon of women out earning men. Can it happen? I don't know. I mean, I honestly, I'm, I'm nervous about it because, well, first of all, this is very new. It's just now happening. And so I'm seeing the results of people who have been doing this for like 10 or 15 years now. So, so looking forward decades from now, um, or even five years from now, maybe 
um, that's going to be my position on this whole women out earning men thing is, is the way I just described it as the ideal, not so much the money you make, but if everybody's happy in their respective fields and they're working together, that at the end of the day, it shouldn't technically matter. But that's, you know, that it gets that it, I would need a whole episode just to talk about the ins and outs of that scenario either way, um, which actually I am going to have one. So stay tuned for that. Okay. Last question. <laughs> the subject line is WTF do I do? So that gives you an idea of, of where we're going here. It's this from Brian. Hi, Suzanne. My wife and I are going on 16 plus years of marriage. and I'm trying to decide if there's any hope left. Prior to COVID, my wife and I have had our challenges for many years. It seems like every stage in life where we are challenged, it reveals the weaknesses in our relationship. I used to see these challenges as potential to grow together, which has sometimes been the case, but now I'm not so sure. We've sought counseling before. I seem to get the same question. Would your wife be open to coming in? The answer is always no. Um, he discovered a men's community, so he's doing work on himself, he says. It seems like the more I work on myself, the more distance, distant we become. Um, in my professional world as a health and lifestyle coach, I'm knowledgeable and respected and told that I offer amazing value to the industry. Whatever the absolute opposite of that is, is what my wife seems to think of me. Since leaving a high paying salary job in 2016 and starting my business, finances have been a challenge. So that's a factor too. So this goes hand in hand with the last question. My wife has a very successful career career and was deemed essential during COVID and I was not. I've been finding my way back online and it's putting pressure on both of us. My question is, when does a couple still have a chance? When is it over? We have a 10-year-old son. So that's kind of an open-ended, hard question. So I'd rather answer the question specific to your situation. I don't believe that it's ever over or ever has to be over if both people are wanting the opposite. If you have someone who's completely checked out and a tremendous amount of damage has already been done, it, that's when you're going to have a really hard time because you absolutely have to both be on board and want change in order to affect change. If you're constantly fighting against someone who's done with you and has no interest in you, and I'm not suggesting that's the case here, but you answer, you asked an open-ended question then you're, you're, you're talking about an uphill battle for sure. Um, but you have a 10 year old son. So if it's not high conflict, um, I would encourage you to, um, I mean, you didn't say anything about, about whether or not it is high conflict. So if, if things are relatively calm and stable, then you're obviously going to want to stick this out until your son is a lot older. But, um, if she's completely incapable of looking inside herself and believes that you are the problem, it is problematic. There's no question. I mean, I have people, most people who come to me are all in and ready to stay married. And I've, I've had a few here and there in the coaching where someone's, you know, as I said, someone has one foot out the door and I can't make somebody want to be there, you know? So if you're dealing with that, um, it's, it's very difficult. I, I don't know that you're going to be able to affect change without her being on board. But like I said, if, you know, you can worry about the relationship itself when you're, when your kid has grown, but if it's all 
relatively peaceful. I'm just missing too much information here to be able to answer it um, straightforward in a straightforward way. But um, yeah, I, I'm sorry. That's really, really rough. Um, it's really, really rough when you're the only one who wants to stay married and you're willing to do the work and the other person isn't. So, um, I wish you luck with that. Okay. That's it for today. And that ends this hour of the Suzanne Banker show. Before you leave us, I'd appreciate it. If you take one minute to give us a review at Apple podcasts or whatever platform you use. If you've done that already, or if you can't leave a review on your podcast player for some reason, please consider sharing the show with a friend or a family member. Word of mouth is the primary way we get the word out about the Suzanne Banker Show. Thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great week. 